Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you are listening to a very special episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we sit down with the writers and directors of Castro Spies, a feature-length documentary, Gary Lennon and Ollie Aslan. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. Yes, and today, as we mentioned, we're talking to Gary Lennon and Ollie Aslan. Now, a little bit of background about Castro's Spies. It tells the thrilling story of an elite group of Cuban intelligence agents sent undercover to the US in the 1990s. From their recruitment, training and eventual capture on US soil, this film peers into a secret world of false identities, love affairs and betrayal. Using never-seen-before footage from the Cuban Film Institute's archive and first-hand testimony from the people at the heart of this story, Castro's Spies gives a rare glimpse into the shadowy world of a spy where the stakes are life and death. This thrilling feature documentary is written and directed by Gary Lennon and Ollie Aslan, as we mentioned. Yep, and it features interviews with the Cuban Five themselves, Rene Gonzalez, Fernando Gonzalez, Gerardo Hernandez, Antonio Guerrero and Ramon Labanino. Now, I had a really good chat with Gary and Ollie recently where we discussed how important it was for them, you know, in establishing an emotional connection uh, with the Cuban Five for audiences and also the challenges of selecting such rich archival footage at their fingertips and then also what justice means to the Cuban people and then rounding it out how they came to use footage from this awesome Cuban TV show called In Silence It Had to Be Done to Help Tell their story. It's a fascinating chat, Tim. So without further ado, let's uh, dig in. These charges against these individuals allege actions for the Republic of Cuba against the government of the United States. Gary and Ollie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with Popcorn Podcast today. How are you both? We're great. Thank you very much for having us. And congratulations on your documentary feature, Castro Spies. 
I was uh, wondering if you could tell our listeners what your documentary is about. Yeah, sure. In, in short, really, the, the film is about a, a story that's that's not really that that widely known around the world, which is about a group of Cuban spies that were infiltrated into Miami in the late 90s. And the film basically follows through a, a really long history, but focuses on the human element of it, but why these spies went there, who they were spying on, and then what happened, they were rounded up by the FBI and FBI dawn raids and long prison sentences um, after and as filmmakers, what specifically fascinates you most about the story of the Cuban Five, as they're called? I think we, we, we both have a, have a very strong general interest in history. But I think it's what really attracted us to us is this, that this is a, a rollicking good spy story. You know, it's, it, it is a documentary, but it's very much a spy movie. And uh, we grew up as kind of children of the Cold War era. And, you know, we, we loved watching these films from things like Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy to... To, to many others in that genre. And, and, and they were, in a large way, the touchstones for this documentary. And that's, that's what attracted to us. You know, it, it, had, uh, it had all the elements, you know, the big geopolitics, but then we also had very personal stories. And, and having the access to the spies themselves really was a huge difference for us. And, and it's a real point of difference because in, in many cases, you hear the stories of people that have maybe changed sides or you know, become informers or something like that, or an Edward Snowden who, who, was, who, who was left the, the agencies that they work for. But what was really different about this film is that these spies are absolutely still uh, passionate about their cause. And then similarly, the people on the other side uh, of the Florida Straits, the people in Miami, they were still very open about what they felt. And they were, you know, unrepentant in, in, in everything and all of their actions. Now, you said that they're very passionate about the cause still to this day, the Cuban Five. There's a really profound moment in the film where it said that Cuban people don't want revenge, they want justice. Is that what makes this film so important and profound, do you think? Yeah, I, I think, you know, when Gary and I have done a lot of sort of soul searching with this and, and this kind of sense of the countries we come from, you know, I'm English, Gary's Irish, and looking at this sense of kind of history and also then how that's dealt with and for the Cubans you know it was this strong sense of justice beyond anything that, that they felt that they needed to do what they did you know they gave up their families their lives with a, a, a very large uh, chance that they weren't going to come home or if they did it was going to be in a box and so I think for us it was really fascinating to, to look into look into the eyes of these guys and, and discuss with them how strongly they felt and how, you know, and, and again, a question that we asked, which is at the end of the film, would you do it again? And they all said, yes, they would, you know, and, and it, but it, what is interesting is, is it was justice, you know, it, it, that they were looking for as, as far as they were concerned. Now there'd be arguments from the other side of the Florida Straits that are, that are discussed in the film, such as the shoot down of the brothers to rescue planes, etc. But for them, you know, it was an unarmed mission um, into very, very dark territory. And, you know, they, they weren't taking people out in kind of sniper pincer movements like we see in all our action movies. And I think, again, it was that sense of looking at these spies, you know, a lot of kind of stuff that's been written about the film since, since its release, you know, it's, it's they're not James Bond, you know, and maybe those James Bond characters exist, but actually there's these really necessary ones that all our governments have, you know. And then I suppose it's, it's how you deal with this. Some governments go down the assassination route and they they went for the for the for the justice and you know but they were up against goliath you know so cuba versus us is you know it was us soil so it's an attack on us soil which is why they got such long sentences but yeah 
it, it really was a, a cause of justice for these characters and, and their personal stories of, of how they got there. It certainly is a story of David and Goliath, like you said, and so personal to them. I think what's really great about this movie is that you understand them as family men and the pain that they felt leaving their families behind. They had to completely come up with all new identities, not even the wife, the closest people to them knew what they were doing that just and you really feel that in the film i think how important to you as filmmakers was it to ensure that you held on to that emotional element of the film and told that to audiences i think that what what any audience whatever film you're making they will be attracted to to characters and and to their stories um, if not it just becomes a history lesson or a ted talk you know something something in that type of a universe but i think in in this case you know, these people were living such extraordinary lives. It was, in many respects, a case of turning the camera on and letting them go. Because although Florida is very close to Cuba, you know, it's only you know, about 80 miles away. It's, mm. it's, it's really a different world away. And for, for these people to have to do what they did in terms of leave their families, um, you know, in some cases, fake their reasons for leaving. And, you know, it's just, it's a remarkable sacrifice when you think about it. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge sacrifice. And then, you know, also on the people from the, on the other side, you know, they, they have this, this curse of being a, an exile, you know, and they're exiled from their home. And that's a very deep pain. And it, and it causes people to do things that most people wouldn't do um, because of this, this narrative that, of, of the other, of their home country that is created by exiles. And so, by showing these people as people rather than kind of, uh, you know, ciphers, I feel it allows us to get into the movie and get into the heart of it, which is people doing things for their for what they believe in. And that's what we try to do. Talking about uh, Cuba, what was your, like, uh, lure then to tell a, this Cuban story? Like, Cuba as a country is such a big character in of itself. What kind of drew you into that element of the film? You know, we're constantly looking for stories. You know, a lot of our documentaries, you know, they're, they're, they're real life. So you have to find these real life stories and these characters. Um, but the film itself actually came about in around 2005 from a, you know, what they called in the States a bumper sticker said Free the Miami Five. And we, we tracked the story. Um, and then uh, what I think often propels documentaries, which, which it did with this, is it then in 2014, you know, been tracking it for nine years at that point, as we had with many other stories. You know, it was a it was a film kind of more looking at the the solidarity campaigns and this sort of search for freedom and these kind of human rights groups, Amnesty International became involved. What then happened that was was the big change was the huge change was a, a surprise prisoner swap by um, uh, Barack Obama sending these spies home. So then that opened up this world. We've been doing a lot of work to kind of get in and and earn the trust of of the Cuban authorities, if you like. And it, for us, it was just seeing this you know this massive sort of geopolitical story that could be told through a very, very human context. And I think that, that that's what really drew us to this story. And the, the more we read, you know, the more we found out, like we had a, we've got a 10,000 page trial document, which, which gave all the details. So, you know, it was fact checking from both sides, very, you know, even down to which equipment they were using, which we'd sourced to use in films for reconstructions, all that sort of stuff. But we wanted, as Gary had said in his in his previous answer, it, it was putting faces to those facts, you know, and humanizing those facts, if you like. So, it's in, in a sense making it anecdotal out of out of the facts. And I think that 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 kind of real human interest side is, is what really drew us to it more than 
a, a film about Cuba. You know, it happens mm. to be about Cuba, and I think there's a lure of Cuba and a fascination in, in Cuba around the world. But it's the, we could tell it through the story of five spies for us was just just incredible. Just to add on to that, it's that, like we didn't come at this with a, with a political agenda. You know, we didn't have. You know, we're not members of any organization or, or anything at all like that. Um, it's happened to be just a rollicking good spy story that was set with Cubans rather than us trying to promote Cuba through this through this story. Because I don't think people, people the history is available out there for people if they, if they want to read it or take part in it. But what we think, this is truly a remarkable story that these people did. And it was their remarkableness or their extraordinariness that, that drew us to the story rather than the fact that it was based in Cuba and, and Miami. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm curious, how much time do you spend in setting up the context uh, of a documentary film? You know, the, the opening is so crucial in setting up the, like establishing the story and, and, and getting the audience in with that hook. Do you spend a lot of time getting that right before, you know, you kind of pull everything else together and create, the, create that kind of narrative? Yeah, so I, I directed with Gary, but also I edited, edited the film, which was was an absolute monster, you know, to edit. <laughs> yeah. and, and and it, because you know you had five five main characters being the central character, if you like, five spies. But then you know, for us, it, we had to kind of draw together this this context behind why they were doing what they were doing, and it's really important because you know. Most people don't know this history of Cuba. Most people don't know it at all. So if you don't understand the history and the nuances between the, the, the islands, if you, if you like, and the exiles, then you don't understand the story. So, you know, the, our first cut of the film, I think, was, was three hours. Then we got it down to two and a half hours because, and then we got it down to two hours. Then it sits at an hour 43. <laughs> um, and we just couldn't make it any shorter, but it, it yeah, it was it was a real challenge because there was so much more stuff that could have been put into that opening. But again, what we wanted to do is kind of humanise that history. So you know, to use a, a very um, well-worn phrase, they were children of the revolution. So they they sat within all that history. So we had this kind of. I think we were lucky within that. So it wasn't like Gary said. It, it wasn't just this kind of fact-building exercise. They were able to say, you know, I was standing in Revolution Square at this point. My parents were doing X, Y, or Z. You know, I came from a poor family, um, and so I think setting it up to answer to actually answer your question was was really really hard because you know that could have been episode one or, or a film on Cuban history about the time of the revolution, and then of course we had all this fantastic archive that we could use to demonstrate that around the revolution. A lot of it's never seen before, even within Cuba, especially the color footage of the revolution. So, you know, you really want to embrace that, but then you realise you've got to tell this full and rich story that has an end, you know, in, in 2018. <laughs> so. One of the great challenges we had was, is that it's quite a confusing story at one level. And for people that aren't intimately involved in the Cuban-American geopolitics of the area, it's quite easy to be confused. You know, you have Cubans based in Cuba who are pretending to be uh, anti-Castro Cubans. And then you have Cubans based in Miami who are anti-Castro Cubans. And there's a lot of double agents involved there. There's also a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of uh, different organizations. You know, um, Miami is littered with anti-Castro organizations. One of the key drivers that we had in it was to make the story really clear for the audience. And that's what we attempted to do because at one point we had a, a longer introduction into the history trying to set the context. And then at another point, we just went straight into the action, you know, in, in a different edit, you know, we just, we landed on the action and we went for it there. 
But our instinct was, was that we just had to provide a bit of context. And, and that's the, ultimately the, the approach we went. Um, and as Ollie said, we had this wealth of archive that we were dying to use and, and, and would have loved to have used you know, another 90 minutes of it, but it didn't allow for us to do it at that point. Well, you certainly hooked me in in how you pieced it together at the beginning, guys. So uh, you went through all that pain and suffering uh, to pull together a really nice piece of work. Now, you were referencing both of you about how you uh, chose to use certain archival footage. And I actually think this is a bit of a stroke of genius. You have this brilliant red thread throughout where you use footage from the Cuban TV show, called In Silence, It Had to Be Done, and use that to help tell the story of the Cuban Five. How did you come into using that uh, footage in that way? Yeah, so I think that's that for us, that was a really interesting story and, and, and it kind of reflects, I think, as well, about how you can approach making feature documentaries or documentaries in general, which is rather than thinking you know the story, you listen to what your characters have to say in the story and, and you kind of you sniff out good news stories within that. So, you know, it, it happened very organically. So I was sitting interviewing Fernando uh, in Cuba, uh, one of the spies, and he was talking about a very painful moment for him, which was the funeral of the downing of the Cubana 455 aircraft. And then he said a couple of years later that there was this TV show. And I kind of, okay, make a, make a, 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 a mental note of that. And he kind of explained it a little bit. Um, and then I sort of went back, you know, with a kind of a follow-up question and uh, on a second interview when we'd explored it more, you know, it's like, what, what was that all about, Fernando? And, and, and so he explained it was, as it explains in the film, was the most watched TV show in Cuba at the time, this very kitsch Cuban spy drama based in the US. So we got our hands on the, on the series while we were in Cuba on that trip. And we started looking through it. And it's like, this is actually incredible. You know, and I had two really good edit assistants working with me and they were plowing through this footage, you know, and it would get to the point. You know, we had to see, could, could we thread this throughout the film and, and will it work? Because if it appeared at one point, it would be interesting, but it being congruous to the rest of the film. So I think, as you said, you know, it, 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 it's thread through the film and what works so powerfully, for us, you know, I go to the edit assistants and say, okay, I need a, we've got a scene here where Fernando is going to leave his wife. So preferably we have his wife standing down at the end of the corridor and, you know, she then turns her head and he walks away. Yeah, got that clip for you. And then, you know, and it, literally it was like it was scripted to this series, you know, and, but this series then as well, it had such a link because it was a genuine influence. It's what Fernando, as he says in the film, says, you know, this this made me think there's there's another way I can I can work for my country, you know. So to find it, but we loved it as well. And it was it was a risk, I suppose, as well. People have people have loved it, but it was a risk because you could see reviews saying what it what what the hell is this, you know? But I, but we just loved it, and we thought it's it's you know you have to find a way to show the world of these spies. There's there's not very much footage of these spies doing stuff. There's a few clips in it, but that's what we could find. So you have to visualize it, you know. We were going to use reconstruction to do that, which we did at certain points, such as the FBI raid. But yeah, we just fell in love with it, and we just thought this is such a great way because also it's Cuban-born. You know, we're not using clips from you know feature films around the globe. It's like you know, it's a direct link to these guys, and that just really excited us. Yeah, it worked so well. The synergies, like you said, almost verbatim. Like it, it you know, what came first? <laughs> it was yeah, quite <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah, no, it was great, and it's also it gives it a very much a style. You know, the, each film should have a style, and this is a huge part of the st our style in this film. And it is very authentic. You know, I believe it was Cuba's only series that they shot outside of uh, Cuba. They actually ended up shooting it in Bahamas because they 
they're not allowed into America as Cubans. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a unique period, it's a unique snapshot of Cuban popular culture. And it was, uh, has a very distinct style. It doesn't look like any of the things that I grew up watching. And it was great to be able to use that. Now, in, in wrapping up this chat, guys, thanks again. So the Australian premiere for Castro Spies is on Saturday, the 24th of July at 5.30 p.m. at Cinema Nova in Melbourne as part of the Melbourne Documentary Festival. Are you excited to share your film with uh, an Australian audience? Yeah, we're absolutely thrilled. You know, we're, we're the only disappointment we have is that we can't be there with you. You know, we have an awful lot of friends down there, like many people from these islands. And <laughs> uh, we, we'd love to be in a cinema uh, to, to see the film, which has been taken away from us all in, in this world and both people in the industry and, and people that just like going to films. So we'd, we, we'd love to be there with you. And we're really appreciative of the opportunity to, to show it and, and share it with uh, the uh, an Australian audience. Absolutely. Bring back the shared cinema experience, I say. How powerful is it? Uh, and if you were to entice people to go see your film at the festival, what three words might you use to hook them in? Cuba, Miami, espionage. Spy, thriller, archive. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Gary and Ollie. Great privilege to chat to you. Great to chat to you. My consciousness is clear, it's clean. If I had to do it, I'd do it again. Lee, such rich territory in this documentary mm. and so much uncovered by Gary and Ollie, right? Yeah, exactly. And for those who live in Melbourne, Castro's Spies is scheduled for its Australian premiere on Saturday 24th of July at 5.30pm at Cinema Nova as part of the Melbourne Documentary Festival. But of course, due to the current uncertainty surrounding lockdowns and restrictions, please do check the website for more information at mdff.org.au. It's definitely worth checking out, guys. It's an extraordinary film. And that's it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube, guys, where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.